Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Living in Tucky is live for another episode. We got Aaron Gershon from the Catch Calls, catchpalls.com, the QB, the author, the coach, Jalen Whitlow, author two times over. Uh, go ahead and tell us about the books you've written, Jake, because we forget, I forget to mention that. So tell them about that and, and the coaching, and, and let's just let everybody know right after the job, man. Yeah, man. Sometimes I forget. Uh, um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, wrote a book uh, called "Prepared," uh, which is for pretty much all, you know, college athletes or high school student athletes that aspire to be collegiate uh, athletes. So, um, you know, really good at you know getting their mind kind of situated on, you know, being organized, what to think about, what to start to uh, prepare for. Uh, Unintended. So, you know, that's what it is, man. For really easy read. Um, you know, I, I recommend it to all student athletes. Uh, even in high school, I think it's, it's good to start to get on some of that stuff. And just stuff that's some of the stuff that I wish I knew, you know, as a 17, 18 year old kid. So, good stuff. Uh, then, Sign is a book specifically tailored to um, high school quarterbacks who are wanting to um, play at the next level. You know, what can they do to play at the next level? Uh, how do they go about it um, and all of that good stuff, man, knowing that I, I train a lot of quarterbacks, train a lot of high school quarterbacks um, in the area. And, you know, I think, you know, they, they get the book for free when I start to train them. Uh, and they, and, they, and I think some of the stuff has helped them learn the recruiting process, learn how to um, kind of prepare themselves for visits and, you know, how to, properly speak to a college coach believe it or not you got a lot of kids nowadays who really you know they're they're really informal when it comes to their first initial reaction with coaches um and you know you definitely want to be formal and you know it'll become informal when they get to know you you know how the thing goes warm up to you and whatnot but uh just the proper way to do that and, and, and you know uh make a good first impression go about yeah, you know, ball, you know, playing a good season. So all of that good stuff. Amazon, Books a Million. Yeah, so uh, Amazon paired. I, I didn't put sign on there for a reason. Uh, but both you can get both on the website at uh, btgqbtraining.com. BTGQB training. And Gershon from the Cats Pose, catspose.com. Tell everybody, is there is there like a special author link that goes right to you that pulls up all your content? Yeah, that's a good question. I believe there is if you go to the 247 site and click on any story I wrote on there and just click on my name there, it takes it everything. But obviously the football yearbook's out, you know, we're a week into the season, so that's still there. And then uh, the basketball yearbook will be here by the end of the month. So uh, we're we're always working. It's issues every other week from here on out. So, uh, you know, it's, it's the heart of the year, man. It's exciting. And that was if you didn't get the football yearbook, you should you should have, or you still can. Absolutely, but, uh, still definitely can. good reading in there. You got a bunch of features in there. Uh, 
Yeah, and you get that the amazing story that I don't know if you got you guys got to read it yet. That Daryl he just yeah. posted it, wrote about Ray Davis and mm-hmm. his journey and you know the upbringing he had that was extremely difficult to overcome, and he's more than overcome it. So that story, and then I, you know, I haven't posted it online yet. We're we're holding it a little bit, but I got to meet with uh, Devin Larry over the summer and talk with him for about a half hour and kind of go through his football journey too. So uh, those two went right at the, right at the beginning of the yearbook there are uh, the two that uh, I think Daryl and I were most proud of. Good stuff. So y'all check all of that out. And, you know, this is who is on the podcast, dropping knowledge. We've got authors, we got journalists, columnists, so we'll continue to do their things and check out their work as well. We come to y'all courtesy of the Believe Network, believe.com. Spotify, Apple, where you can listen. We're live right now on our Twitter account, our Facebook page, our YouTube uh, as well. So if you want to drop a comment, you want to subscribe, you want to like, feel free to do so. Uh, we definitely appreciate it. And we got a little Cat Daddy shirt as well. A little hard to see that on the screen, but available in blue, white, or gray. Go to shop.believe.com, get yourself a shirt because we got some merch. So now that we're live, y'all can actually see what we've been talking about. And you can go <laughs> to the website, get yourself a shirt, whichever color you like, get yourself one. Week one is in the books, y'all. Kentucky's one and oh, 44 14 over Ball State and left meat on the bone. That's kind of the theme of yeah. all the interviews <laughs> and press conferences, right? Oh, man. Mark Stoops. Yeah, he was not happy with a 30 point win, which one that, that speaks of where the program's at. I mean, I think that's a pretty good thing that you're you're pretty ticked off after you win by 30. But it was just the game was weird with the tempo. And one, you can't complain because you score on offense and special teams should have scored twice on yeah. defense. Uh, mm-hmm. The rest didn't let that one play uh, play out like they should have. But um, you only ran 51 offensive plays. Obviously, there was a lot of rust in that first half from Devin Leary that, you know, it was a little frustrating. And then he goes 10 for 11 in the second half. But, you know, the number is 11. Like he did not get to throw the ball as much as you would have wanted him to in that game overall. So that's why they, with three minutes left, they get the ball back. You know, the game's over, but they ran plays and ran offense just to just to get some reps because uh, they needed those. So it was unfortunate in the sense they didn't get that many offense plays. Unfortunate in the sense they didn't get some guys that some playing time that you want to get out there. I think that's the thing that really upset Stoops the most was guys. Yeah. Um, the, the younger guys, you want to get them in while you're playing these teams where you're in control. And even the guys like the Crowdis or Brandon White, where they're not a red shirt, but you want to get them experience and show them, hey, you're a part of this thing. Like, don't don't you think about leaving after the season? Like, there's a role for you, and this is what we think. So yeah, I think that was the frustrating part from the coaching perspective. And then obviously, uh, really the only other thing was the third down defense was not good enough. I mean, nine for 17. Um, and that could have got you off the field. That could have got your offense more touches. So those were the things that were frustrated with. But uh, when you win by 30, when you're, you score in all three phases, the special teams was outside of one little high snap where they still put the hole down and kicked it through. The special teams was flawless. The offense was up and down, but had a pretty good second half. All things considered, Dane Key was great. Ray Davis was great. Um, and then defensively, I mean, the defensive line was Oh, uh, really, really good. And Trevin Wallace was the best player on the field. So a lot to like, but uh, I see why Mark Stoops was a little uh, felt like there was left, like you said, meat on the bone still. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, you kind of, I mean, you said it better than I can. I mean, 
I think that kind of, you know, is indicative of where the program is that yeah. nobody seemed happy about it. Um, <laughs> no. Which, which is a good thing. Um, but at the same time, you do have to take the positives and, you know, kind of congratulate the players for winning the game. And I'm sure they did, but doing well. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, you won by 30. Uh, so um, you got to take that for what it's worth. But at the end of the day, yes, I think the new rules um, along with yeah. you know, the defense not being able to get off the field as much as they wanted to, um, and you see coaches across – I mean, Chip Kelly, uh, uh, Lane Kiffin, Stoops, all complaining about how they're not getting enough snaps on offense. And, I mean, Lane Kiffin – They're right. Oh, Miss Gore, 73 points. I mean, yeah, come right. on. But uh, – at the same time, at the same time, yes, man. It's, it, the biggest thing, like you said, coaches know that they don't get certain players snaps. Man, those guys are gone after the season. Right. You know they are. It's just is what it is. It's the world we live in now. And we all know that. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing, man. Is is you want to get these players playing time in games like yeah. this. And when you don't get enough snaps, and I mean, let alone the guys that need to be playing or the guys that they want to get in. I mean, shoot, some of your starters didn't get didn't touch the ball as much as you wanted them to touch it. Barry and uh, Brown so, had three catches. And Mark yeah. Stoops noted that, I think, on the radio show. Yeah, I mean, Barry and Brown should be a minimum six-catch a game, seven-catch yeah. a game. And he's going to get his touches, you know, other ways and special teams and, you know, that type of thing too. But, I mean, you want Dane Key and Barry and Brown both to have somewhere around 20 uh, attempts or 20 targets, yeah. I should say, uh, each, you know, combined. So – uh, not each, but combined. But, you know, I think, you know, uh, in hindsight, you know, they will probably, you know, want to get off the field more, obviously. They will probably, you know, I think, you know, at the end of the day, continue to line if they really wanted to. They could have needed a little bit more. And, and, and you know, uh, so, but, you know, you just want to get guys snaps. And I understand the frustration because at the end of the day, you got, I mean, there's a lot of guys that you have to, play so you can make them feel a part of something so they can stay and they are good players or going to yeah. be great players potentially so uh you know I, I understand that but at the end of the day i think the office looked pretty good for the first time you gotta understand this is a new coordinator these guys uh you got your quarterback who's who hadn't played football in, that's you know, exactly a long time uh, months. Yeah. yeah so you know it, you know i thought it was a step in the right direction i mean you it's, it's good to kind of face some adversity and see what you need to work on the first game and kind of uh, retool. So I, I think that was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with Devin Larry where I saw there was a lot of people upset with kind of his game, and and I get it to an extent. I mean, 18 for 31 is not the sexiest line in the world. You have the pick, which was just a bad play all around, bad play call, bad execution, whatever. But, you know, 10 for 11 in the second half, like I said, and you just – you look at some of those off-schedule throws that – when he was clicking at NC State, he, he was converting on those. And I think it was just they were tad off, and that's where the rust comes in, where he hasn't played in 11 months. It's not just a normal offseason for him. He got hurt last October, and he's been out ever since. Hasn't played in a, in a live game since. Hasn't had live bullets. But, for example, that I think it was third and 14, which they lose five yards because Eli Cox jumps early. And he play, makes that throw down the sideline to Ray Davis. And it, it's off his fingertips. I, I think you have that play happen again in three weeks. That, that, that's going to happen. They're, they're going to make that play. Like, there were a couple plays where you could just tell there was a little rust there. I mean, Tavion Robinson got 12 targets in this game. 
and only had three catches. So I'd have to go back and watch every throw, but I assume there were some in there too that maybe, you know, a few weeks down the road, we're saying, okay, Devin, Devin and Tavion are hooking up on that. So uh, there was some rust there for sure from Larry, but nothing I was too worried about. I was, if anything, I was more encouraged from what I saw from the offensive line. Um, I know there were a couple of plays that Larry made them look good, but two pressures and one sack. I mean, if that was week one last year, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be complaining. And Ray Davis had run holes. He averaged eight yards per carry. The offense as a whole, I think averaged a little over seven yards uh, a play. Like there were some good things um, in this game. The first play of the game, by the way, uh, the 44 yard play to Dinky. If that ball's out a little earlier, it's a house call. Like, and you still got 44 yards on his second read because it was intended to go to Barry on Brown, Liam Combs said. So, you know, there's still a lot to like. I saw a little much complaining on uh, on the day that Devin Larry and the offense had. And no, it wasn't perfect. Yes, you know, we wanted to see more, get more plays, more explosives, whatever. But it, it just wasn't a bad performance overall. And, you know, defensively outside of the third downs, I mean, and and there were some and there were some passes that just can't get completed, especially in the second half. And you know, JQ Hardaway playing his first game at Kentucky got picked on a little bit. But man, overall the defensive line was flying around. Trevin Wallace, defensive player of the week in the, the SEC, um, the hit Alex Afari made that was clean uh, to knock that ball out. Jalen Geiger takes it home in his first game back from his injury. Like there was a lot to like in this game, and I think um, I, I think you can't take it for granted. Yeah, thinking brand new system, brand new receivers, yeah. rusty, just you know, as veteran as he is, probably pressing, trying to get to where he knows he can be. To just all those factors, yeah, you know, and yeah, like you said, you could, you know, he'll he'll be in sync. And like this game coming up against Eastern is just like you know, getting synced up, just Do it getting again. that, that yeah. little. Bit of fine tuning to get where they all know they can be, and y'all said it. They're they're mad after winning forty four fourteen. They is because they know what they're all capable of. They know right. what kind of team that they pretty much are confident that they have, and and they, you know, just wanting to get there. And it's yeah. just take a minute. And you know, De- you also got to think about too. Like this is Devin's first time in front of this crowd. He wants to show off. You know, there's a human element too, where he probably and that was kind of a common theme too. When uh, with everyone in the press conferences this week is, hey, at this point we're doing a little too much. And guys, you know, the first game jitter thing is real. And I'll, they always say, and you probably heard it. You, you've probably said it as a coach, Jalen, and heard it from your coaches. Like the most improvement you make is from week one to week two because you have tape. You have things to actually build on. So, um, I, I, like some of the, I, I mean, I understand again why Mark Stoops was so heated. I understand a little bit why some of the fans wanted to see some more. But overall, like this is not a game. This was a much cleaner game than Week One last year when they won by I think twenty six or twenty four against Miami of Ohio. The sacks weren't there. Uh, some of the just overall sloppiness with the turnovers on offense weren't there. Uh, I mean, defensively, they were pretty good last year in that opener. But even the first drive of the game, we talked about that, how Kentucky has stunk with first drives of the game and home openers, and they forced uh, Ball State three and out right out of the shoot. So, I mean, uh, just a lot more positives than negatives for me in this one. And also, uh, we'll talk, I'm sure, more about Trevor Wallace, but Khalil Saunders, uh, the way that kid runs at 6'5", 285, uh, that's pretty good to have if, if he's going to be, you know, left only blocked by one guy or even unblocked at times because they had to take care of Dan Walker. 
and the fact that uh, you know defensively you you have a goal line stand in mm-hmm. there, which you know serves you well down the road when you're in you know adverse situations or kind of back against the wall and got a bow up. For those who casually looked at the score, it's, it looks a lot better seeing Ball State with 14 instead of 21. You don't, I mean, you don't, yeah, you don't want them getting 21 points on you any way at all. You know, and, I, I said 30 to nine. The offense did score 30 points, didn't account for the scooping score or yeah. the, uh, the kickoff return, which they're not going to go and say, hey, defense don't score, special teams don't score. You, you know, even though the offense is frustrated, right? you're getting, you know, 14 points chipped in from all other aspects of the game. So, uh, And the offense still scores what? They score yeah, 30. 40, they score 30. Yeah. yeah. So, and you made all your kicks. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, like the one high snap, but, you know, dude was clutch. He stepped yeah, in there. Yeah, got it nerves. down. Yeah, Rainer hit it. Uh, and what what was so impressive about that goal line stand, by the way, Jay, uh, Vinny, is that they got a pick taken off the board with an arguable pass interference call against Ion Childers, where Mark Stoops was kind of explaining how they were in a meeting. I guess I think it was Mark Stoops who said it, where they had a meeting with the officials that Friday, and how the rule was basically if you turn your head you know, to the ball, they're not going to flag you for it. And Zion, if you, there was some contact at the top of the route, but if you watch that play and they called pass interference, so it wasn't illegal contact. It wasn't holding because that happened outside the end zone. But um, if you watch the play, Zion Childress just turns his head and the ball happens to be in his face and he catches it. Like that, that should not have been a pass interference, but the defense ponies up instead of a letdown and, and they're able to get off the field with a, uh, with a goal on stand. So really impressive there. Yeah, else, Jay. No, you got it. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead and get specific if you want, Aaron. Um, yeah, I just again, I, I think this was a good one, and you know, now you gotta. The thing with the CKU team is they gave up sixty six points, and I understand. Like, I understand. You know, they had a pretty good year last year, but defensively, I think they allowed around thirty six a game in, in these. FCS levels, there's a lot of there's not much defense, you know, outside of like the Dakotas and stuff. Um, so EKU, you know, they have a, one of their starting corners. I'm not trying to pick on him, but he's five nine, and he's gonna have to probably deal with Dane Key on that side because that's the side he usually lines up on. Like, there's a lot of matchups that you got to take advantage in this one, and you got to make sure you, you can run the offense you want and as many plays as you want. Out, you know, if you score on offense. Excuse me, if you score on defense or special teams, don't apologize for it. But this is a game where you should be able to feel pretty comfortable offensively, do some things that you want to uh, dictate the pace and all that, and just blow these guys out of the water. I mean, Parker McKinney is a capable quarterback for EKU. Um, the running back, Braden Sloan's really good, but there's just not enough firepower there. And, and <laughs> if you look at the, the game against Cincinnati that EKU had, it was Emory Jones, who you guys remember, Florida. Wasn't great down there. He had seven total touchdowns. Seven, uh, two on the ground, five throwing. Like <laughs> Devin Leary. I mean, you, you would think, man, you would think this. And this is not a good Cincinnati team this year, by the way. They're kind of, you know, obviously it's Satterfield, and not just. I don't. I don't think that much of Satterfield, but it's also a rebuild. You know, Luke Fickle, one of the best coaches. Uh, 
to go through. I mean, they've had a lot of good coaches there, but obviously one of the better group of five coaches the last couple of years leaves. Uh, they're transitioning to the Big 12. Like this is kind of a retool year uh, up in Cincinnati. I think they were finished picked to finish like 10th or 11th in the Big 12. And, you know, they beat, they put 66 on EKU. Like UK should be licking their chops when it comes to that. Honestly, like the EKU's talent is more so on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, you know, I don't know how EKU even boosts uh, the D line of Kentucky, man. I, yeah, I don't either. I, I don't. I don't no. see how that's um, great. They do have an FCS All American left tackle, so they do have one respectable offensive line. So I'll give them that. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. I just like you said, man. It's Cincinnati scored sixty six. Yeah. Um, you know, as a coach. You know, going into a game where you know you're supposed to win and probably win big, you just want to see in, in what I'm about to say. Stoops always say it: play clean. You yep. just want to see play clean, man, and um, especially on offense, because offense is offense. Is one of those things where it takes everybody to play clean. You know, one guy not playing clean, and the whole thing just look like you know looks bad. So um, that's what they want to. See. And get get the rhythm going on offense. Get the passing going. Maybe see your quarterback make some off-platform, uh, off-schedule plays, uh, but also some on-schedule stuff. And you know, just get the rhythm kicked in gear. Uh, you know, heading into the week and then you know, up and off into it. Yeah, yeah, it got a little laggy, but yeah, for sure. Um, just. Like you said, it shouldn't be comfortable. You should be able to get everybody work, <laughs> get yeah. everybody in shape. Like Stoop said, you oh, yeah. know, you're running plays just because we hadn't ran any plays. Go get get guys some reps. So that should be what this type of game is. Um, you know, Walt Wells knows everybody. CJ Conrad knows everybody. A bunch of Frederick Douglass kids go to EKU, just like, you know, Jagger and DeKale and everybody of UK. So it's going to be a reunion type familiarity type thing. But you got you got Jalen's former teammate. And I'm, I'm assuming you guys are pretty close. Maxwell Smith is their quarterback's coach, too. And he was yeah. a GA here uh, at UK a couple of years ago. Yeah, he's the quarterback's coach. And, you know, so you got CJ. Uh, so, um, you know, a lot of familiarity, you know. It, from remember every year, what, what year was that where EKU and Kentucky played? And it was kind of cool. <laughs> they went to overtime. And, yes, 15 they played, went to overtime. And then 17, 17, uh, EKU had the lead at halftime. Yeah, so in, <laughs> in 15, um, there were, it was Deshaun Mobley. Yeah. From Kentucky and, and Patrick. Uh, yep. Play D line for uh, EKU, uh, so you know, and that, they were man because I, I was communicating. They wanted to win that game so bad. They came <laughs> close though. Mm-hmm. They did. Dorian Baker yeah. saved the day that one. Yeah, that was when you had those way too close for comfort. There's been several of those, and that was that may be at the top of the list of yeah, <laughs> yeah Neil Martin wins. Yeah, that was Dean Hood. And Walt Wells was on that staff, by the way. So, yeah, I mean, look, historically this game has been close. But, you know, this is the best Kentucky team I think EKU is going to go up against. And, 
again, I think EKU offensively now their quarterback is really, really good. I mean, Parker McKinney, he's in like his 10th year. It feels like he's been the starter there since 2019. Like he's played a ton of college football. Uh, he's a third team All-American at that level last year. So, you know, it, it's good. I mean, it, it's an experienced quarterback and that'll give Kentucky a look at that and some preparation for later in the year. But uh, like they, they just got to they got to take care of business here and do what they want in this game. They got to, they have to dictate it. They have to be able to be the ones to determine, you know, Hey, we're going to be able to get this guy in by the fourth quarter because we're going to be up by 40 points. So you just got to take care of business and, uh, you know, move on to hopefully stay healthy. You know, you lost Kenneth Horsey last week, he'll be out a couple of weeks and, you know, move on to Akron. And then, you know, by then you're one week out of conference play. Yeah. And it's, and, you know, EKU's got a, a long history, a lot of tradition. You know, Roy Kidd won one day late championship there in the 80s. And his health isn't good now, so that's, you know, yeah. I hate to hear that. And uh, especially for them and the program and everybody associated with EKU. But a little bit down this year, they're not what they typically have been and traditionally yeah, are. Like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I, I, I found a document from Roy Kidd back – I mean, this was probably created this document in the 90s, 80s, maybe. Uh, it's a document on football visualization, how they were trying to get their players to visualize and use their, their imagination and visualization, you know, to help them prepare for games. And, you know, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. You know, I thought, you know, kind of ahead of his time, you know, when you really stuff, man. That's, you know, I, I'll send it to y'all when I find it. Uh, I got it somewhere. Uh it's pretty interesting to read, man. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be Absolutely. Cool, sure. Uh, but yeah, he was definitely a legendary coach. You know, if I was listening to Alan Cutler today. Any level, not just one double A, any level yeah. of coaching. Yeah. He no He's a legendary coach no matter what level you want to talk about. So, no doubt. For sure. Uh, I think won a couple one double A national championships. And and like got beat at the buzzer. He should have yep. had three. He lost. I think. Yep. Boise State or somebody hit a pass in the end zone at like the like a walk off touchdown, basically <laughs> that knocked him out of winning another title. So yeah, and they lost one to Youngstown, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and you know some guys from where I'm from. You know Charles Charles Tinsley played for EKU against Couch, and when they played Kentucky, his son was a legacy recruit there. So you know, a lot of a lot of history there, and a lot of tradition for the for the Colonels for sure. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Do you have something else on on Trevin? And you said like specifically <laughs> on. I mean, we saw him all over the place. Yeah, not nothing new, man. I just thought he was uh, unbelievable <laughs> out there. I mean, the speed he he plays with, and you know, there was that one play uh, that unfortunately Ball State's running back got hurt on, and literally the ball gets snapped and Trevin's already in the backfield. Like it was, I, it was just insane. The game that he had. And I mean, obviously, you know, going against SEC offensive lines, that'll be a little difficult, but I mean, to, he said his goal is to have 10 tackles a game, every game. And he had 12 on Saturday, two of them for a loss, split a sack, like uh, just a dude, man, SEC defensive player of the week, standalone, didn't share that award. Just, uh, he's going to be a fun one to watch. He's a sneaky All-American candidate along with uh, with Dion potentially. So uh, I think Kentucky fans should enjoy this year because if he plays like that, uh, he'll be playing on Sundays next year. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. So, you know, meat on the bone, EKU come to town, Akron after that, just, you know, sync yourself up, get in rhythm. Jalen, talk about the, the old adage, you know, teams improve most from week one to week two. Mm-hmm. Just just tell the listeners why that is and, you know, why coaches say that a lot and as a player, uh, why that's the case. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, you get you get game. You got good film, um, you know, and you can teach off good film. And you kind of – I think the biggest thing coaches like is you kind of know – you get a better feel of your new personnel. Um, and they can move guys that they need to move and they can put guys in certain spots if they need to kind of shuffle the board a little bit. So, uh, you know, it's just you get a chance. There's nothing like you can scrimmage all you want. Y'all heard this. You can scrimmage every day if you want to. It's it's not going to measure up to what it's like on a Saturday afternoon or night at Kroger Field. It's just not. You know, so um, you, you never really know what you got from your new guys until you step into a game. Uh, so that's really the big thing. Uh, I think you kind of sure up some schematic, you know, potential issues or, you know, kind of see what works for your guys and see, you know, who does what well and whatnot when you're going to get somebody different. Because what a lot of people don't think of, like if I'm a if I'm a center, I've been blocking um, I've been blocking Dion the whole offseason, you know, going against him, uh, blocking him in spring, blocking him in fall camp. Well, that. Is it, you know, I mean, I, at some point, I'm going to know how to get him, you know. Now, probably not him all the time. That's what he's got. But at some, at some point, I'm going to know his moves. I'm going to know, I'm going to figure his rhythm out. It's just like boxing, right? You see Floyd Mayweather the first couple rounds. He's just figuring your rhythm out. Uh, he's just figuring out who you are as a boxer. It's just the same thing when you're playing football, right? You get a chance to, you know, so – when you go against somebody different, they're showing you a different movement, different speed, different moves, different pass rush moves, different, you know, you got a bull rush, speed rush, swim move, whatever. They show you different stuff. So uh, the action time based on what you've been practicing practicing against as opposed to what you're going up against on Saturdays is a little bit different. Sometimes just because a guy's slower don't mean you're going to play better. His moves may be different. His rhythm may be different. That can it can throw you off. So you just never really know. It's just, every, it's just so many little details that go into it. Uh, but the biggest thing is personnel from a coaching standpoint. You get a chance to see who's who. Do we need to move guys around? Do we need to take guys out of certain spots, put somebody else in the spot? Do we need to take a guy from strong safety, put him at free safety? Whatever it may be, uh, you get a chance to really see that. And what kind of coverages are we better at this year? We may be a zone team this year, maybe more of a man team. Maybe a heavy pressure team, maybe a, you know, uh, more reserved, more conservative, or maybe a drop back passer team, maybe a run play action team. You get a chance to really get a feel for what this team does well, because you really never know until you play another opponent. So uh, that's why, from a coaching standpoint, you make the biggest jump because you get a chance to make coaching adjustments that you just couldn't make. I think that's the big thing. And you mentioned in your explanation, you mentioned playing center. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention you and new personnel. The fact that Jagger Burton right. moved over to center, you you hear he's doing good in practice. You you hope you don't have you know snaps going over the quarterback's head and inaccurate right. snaps or snaps like ground balls going back to the quarterback. And he got his first game under his belt, and you know you, you had you had good snaps, didn't have any issues, and 
So now he can kind of build on that going forward. He doesn't have to be anxious about what it's like in a game playing center since he had never done it before. Now he's actually got, you know, a game, get another game against a, a lesser opponent, even though it's still bullets flying as you continue to get in sync for him personally yep. and the entire offense that was just a little yep. bit off. But it can't start until he snaps it. He starts it all off. So. That's another right. thing too. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing better. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was saying there's, there's nothing better than you know, like I said, going against good competition. Kentucky has good yeah. defense, so going against good competition all season, and then you get in a real game, which is different. A real game is different, but you get a chance to go against teams that are probably not as good as what you're going to play in conference. So you get a chance to build up to it. So for Jagger, he's new to the position. He get a chance to build up to playing whoever that knows is going to be for Florida or Georgia or whoever, you get a chance to build up to that. Uh, so make your mistakes now, uh, learn from it. Obviously he has physical ability or he wouldn't be starting, uh, learn from it. And, um, you know, when it's time to play, you know, the big dogs, you are, you're ready to go. You got the, you got it under your belt and, uh, you know, you're ready to improve. So that's, that's good. Yep. Like you said, Aaron, it, Fortunate that Kenan Horthy wasn't lost for the season, that they yeah. looked to get him back at some point. So that was Yeah, yeah, definitely good that he's not out for the season. It didn't look good, you know, when they bring mm-hmm. the card out and he looked pretty upset. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, Dylan Ray did a really nice job in the second half. Coaches were pretty happy with him. He's a guy that they actually brought in as a preferred walk-on, you know, right after spring ball from West Virginia. And he he's earned himself a scholarship. He's earned himself a role. I mean, he can play tackle and guard. He's the backup left tackle also. So, you know, it, it's good that they have a quality backup there. But the problem is, you know, what if someone else goes down and the depth, you know, continues to thin? So uh, it's tough to already lose starting offensive lineman one weekend. But, you know, we'll see when, when they can get him back. It, at least it's not a full year injury we're talking here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we got Kentucky covered pretty good, which is what we're gonna do each and every week. Uh, got to branch out to Pac-12. You know, Aaron, Aaron, go ahead and nah. catch stuff in the back, toot your <laughs> horn. You know, went I'm down, not went down uh, in Fort Worth, and you, you was telling us about it last week, man. I just had a feeling that, like, I'm not gonna doubt if you're listening, which you're not. But Deion Sanders, I'm not a doubter. I, I believed. I, I, I didn't think. I thought this would be a six-win football team. I didn't think. I don't think they're gonna be in the playoff hunt. But I, I still don't think that quite yet. Um, <laughs> but I mean. They got dudes like Travis Hunter is a generational talent. What he's doing, playing 89% of the game snaps, playing <laughs> offense, defense. I mean, the conditioning. And after the game, they ask him, Are you tired? It's like, No, let's go. Let's go again. Let's keep playing. Like, that dude is different. He is Shohei Otani, like, on, on a football field. So that's, that's outstanding. I mean, the uh, Shador Sanders was. Uh, I mean, you had the best individual passing yard, yard day in, in Colorado history, and they've had some pretty good quarterbacks there. Cordell Stewart, obviously, being on the top of that list. Like, it is a pretty – there's some – you know, they don't have the greatest history. They're no Alabama, but some of the players that they've had come through that program, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, you got some Heisman winners in there. Like, it, it, they have some legit names, and he, he was able to pass them in one day. And um, then, you know, defensively they weren't great. 
but Travis Hunter was with the pick he made, that diving pick. That that was not even a bad throw. It wasn't a bad decision. It was just Travis Hunter being a dude. It, I mean, just a really impressive showing. I know TCU's lost a lot, obviously, starting with Max Duggan and Quentin Johnston. But, you know, to go down to Fort Worth, hostile environment against the team, that, that they're welcoming, that, welcoming them back for the first time since they were in the national championship game. Like, that is a big deal. And now you go home that environment i saw like the cheapest ticket is on resale is like four hundred dollars like that place is going to be insane and you got nebraska coming in and nebraska lost in the most nebraska way possible so you know you know colorado can probably smell the blood in the water like something i'm telling you dion what he's doing is changing the game of college football uh the one thing that i wouldn't say it's a negative but the one thing it puts on notice to me is for some of these coaches like Hugh Freeze, um, just an example, I'm not saying he's on a hot seat, but guys who just get hired at big time jobs, uh, Hugh Freeze being the top example from this last coaching cycle, even Billy Napier now in year two, if you don't get that thing turned around quick with the transfer portal, you're screwed, man. Like you're not going to last. Like Deion Sanders brought a put together a team they were one in 11 last year <laughs> like one in 11 and this team goes and beats the defending you know runner-ups on the road uh they have a chance to go 2-0 against two power five teams to start the year uh the pac-12 is you know in the last year of the pac-12 as we know it it's as good as the pac-12 has been in a long long time and they have a chance to be a contender in that conference like the excuses are going to like Billy Napier. If he has a five and seven year this year, he might be gone. Uh, if Hugh, Hugh Freeze, it doesn't happen within the next two, three years, he's going to be gone. So with this transfer portal, it's a little easier to rebuild. And Deion Sanders might be setting a new standard for it. And TCU, you know, didn't have what they had last year, lost a no. lot. We get it. But they were still supposed to. You Top twenty five Colorado team. They still yeah. were supposed to to beat yeah. Colorado, and had they won, everybody would have, you know, well, see, Dion, ah, he's yeah, he's in over his head. He ain't, you know, and yeah. but now he's went down there and won. You know, they were dogging him out about the way he cleaned house, the way he redid the roster. It was bold. Yeah. It was eighty six new players, but then he goes down and beat, like you said, defending runner up. So. It just sets a whole new bar with this portal. You want I mean, to throw shade at him when yeah. he the way he did it. Now you know he goes out and, and and wins week one. Yep. You can you can understand why he had receipts for. Oh, you I saw what you wrote. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem said. with that. It's not look. It's not us as the media. Like it's not our job to believe or not, but. You know, I get it. He has, a, he has a right to call. Like, look, they again, like he, everyone, no one thought, and I'm not like a prediction for this game is whatever. I mean, the first game of the year, you know, going up again, Nash, defending that uh, runner ups, whatever, 20 point dogs. Like, I get if you didn't think they were going to win this game. I, I still picked TC to win outright. I just thought Colorado would make it an interesting ball game. But, um, it's just what he it's just insane like I don't even have the words for it and I get you know Travis Hunter helps that a lot because he might be the best player a top five player in all of college football but that's just one dude that uh, did you say 86 new players is that right I, it's, wow. might, it might be something I don't think it's quite that but it's close I mean, it might be one. yeah 
It might be counting like walk-ons and all that. Yeah, that so like pretty much a whole new squad. Yeah. Oh yeah, except I know they're the six nine. I think either right or left tackle was a, a carryover. That's the only okay. guy I know off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, a couple of Kentucky's ex players, Vito Tisdale, Francis yeah. Smoker out yeah. there. So it, it's a whole new team. And look, he probably had to say goodbye to some talented players. Actually, we saw. Ty Robinson, the wide receiver, had 90 yards against Kentucky for Ball State, is one of those guys who who left Colorado after this and was probably let go. But look, he did it a different way. It's working early. Uh, if they win again against Nebraska here, Nebraska, I mean, the big difference between Nebraska and TCU, uh, Nebraska's got defense. <laughs> TCU, I don't know how much of a defense they really had. Uh, Nebraska does have a defense, but man, if they win this game and they do it pretty convincingly to score a bunch of points, uh, again, like Billy Napier, you got to be a little nervous right now because uh, uh, I guarantee you Florida is going to be looking at what, D, uh, what Sanders is doing and being, all right, who could do that here? Because uh, it ain't happening. He's already exceeded the expectations. Even though nobody's saying he's going to go 10-2 yeah. or whatever, but he's already done more than a bunch of people thought. After one I mean, game. they're already – hey, they matched their win total. <laughs> In one game, they matched their win total. So – and I, I I couldn't tell you who their win was against that last year. It was probably uh... – well, I was Aaron. That was a non-conference – it had to be. I'm sure it had to be a non-conference. I mean – No, no doubt. No doubt. You know, it was not good themselves, but um, – yeah. Yeah, I, you know, look, I think, I think he, frankly, scaring the hell out of college coaches. Yeah, because at the end of his everything about the, his style of coaching is different, it's unconventional. It's it's kind of bucking the system in a way. Like, I mean, eighty new players on your roster, and you're going out and beating TCU, national runner-up, first game of the season, eighty new players. Some of these guys on the team don't even know their teammate that they're playing next to last name and they're beating them uh they're beating you know a team that just got done playing the national championship now granted obviously they lost players like you said but still at tcu primetime game pun intended you know it's just it, it's <laughs> it, it, it's it's crazy man uh I, I you know i knew that they had some good players i didn't know that they had that much star power. Uh, and the, the guy that kind of, you know, surprised me, I guess, you say surprise, is Dylan Edwards' kid. Oh, a he, freshman. He, yeah, he, you know, he, he he's pretty good. Um, you know, I thought the O-line would be the weak point team. Yeah. And they are in the run game, you know, kind of. But, man, uh, in the past game, they did, a, they did a good job. I mean, talking about a quarterback who passed the ball for 510 yards. Somebody's doing something right, um, you know. So, look, that you know, I I didn't predict that they would win that game. So now uh, they go in and beat Nebraska. I mean, you can almost just you know forego the rest of the season for Colorado's front office. I mean, they they've already uh, you know broken the bank from what they did last year. I had to guess. I mean, it's it, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, it, it just a, a simple hire, one guy, not simple, but one guy coming in and he's like changing the look of college of Colorado. If you look at guys who in high school right now, 
I know in my lifetime, color that I remember watching football from when I was six on to now, Colorado was, wasn't relevant to me. Like I don't I don't see Colorado as like a relevant football program. You got guys, these kids now I'm about to see Colorado like you know as a relevant college football program. Um based on one <laughs> one game. Now obviously they gotta you know one game don't define everything, but the just the publicity, the hype that he's bringing to that um you know, we've never seen anything like that. Yeah. Again, like you said, these coaches are going to be scared, man. Like, this guy is changing the game. I mean, literally, like, even after the Florida-Utah game, which was, you know, we all kind of saw Utah taking care of business in that one, um, there wasn't really any talk like, oh, Billy Napier, like, blah, blah, blah. As soon as Colorado, that score goes final, there was like a hot board. All right, who's replacing Billy Napier? Like, and now it's Mike Elko because you know Duke beat Clemson twenty eight seven that one nine games last year. So it's just uh, it's going to have that effect though. I mean, like Mel Tucker, Michigan State, it's it had a terrible year last year. If they struggle again this year, you know who can come do that in the Big Ten for me? Even Chip Kelly, like if he doesn't take that program another step uh, in the next couple of years, you know who can bring that to Hollywood? Like it's going to be. There already these coaches have pretty short leashes. I mean, Mark Stoops is the rare where Mitch Barnhart stuck with him and it, it prevailed. You know, the patience paid off. And I'm sure Mitch Barnhart is rightfully so patting himself on the back for staying patient, not being reactionary to the first four years. But um man, elsewhere, I mean, we already saw Brian Harson only last a year and a half. Uh, we've already seen, you know, Dan Mullen wins the SEC East and the next year is can't like uh, it's going to be that's going to be an even more expedited process now if you can't turn it around in a big place. It's, it's crazy because you always hear people say you can't microwave success. Well, that shit. Ain't he did. Too. Yeah. He, <laughs> <laughs> he said, yes, I can. Yeah, it, it ain't. I mean, it's not true. I mean, this dude has. When did Dion get there? What? Um, yeah. December. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, so. Hey man, look. If if they go, if they win eight games, um, I think he will totally change yes. um, the landscape of how people see and college recruiting. I mean, college recruiting has changed, but like like you said, if I'm if I'm a AD at a school, you know, I expect us to go from a new coach, and we need to be six and. Six and six. Yeah, you know we need to be. I mean, because I mean, off off rip. I mean, off one year because it's doable now. You can go do that. You can go totally, you know, exhaust your to yeah. grab people from the transfer portal. I mean, you can to be fired everybody and go get a whole new roster. So um, that'll be the norm here moving soon. How mad do you think Clemson's AD is right now? Like, think of it this way. Dabo Sweeney, the reason that Clemson has fallen off the last two years is because they have not adapted the transfer portal. They took one transfer this offseason, and it's a backup quarterback from Arizona State. Like, they did nothing in the transfer portal. And their roster took some hits to the NFL. They didn't, you know, do enough to fill some holes. They're trying to fill it with young guys. They're trying to fill it with inexperienced starters. And they go in to get their ass kicked by Duke. And Duke just – like, it wasn't even that they got their ass kicked and they, they choked at the one-yard line. Duke looked tougher. They looked more physical. They were faster. Like, Duke looked like the better football team. And, like, Colorado, one year, 
all these new faces and, you know, they're going to be in a Pac-12 hunt potentially. They're a top 25 team already. Like, uh, I, I mean, obviously, you can't, if you're Clemson, you can't be, you know, you've had a lot of success. You've won two national championships with Dabo Sweeney. But, like, that's where ADs are going to start to lose their mind, where if coaches don't adapt and they don't, you know, I'm not saying they need to go flip an entire roster over. I mean, I don't think Dion. I don't know if that's going to happen everywhere, but you know, you might have to flip 30 guys like Florida's done, and they haven't done it successfully quite yet. But I think they've had the right idea, at least down in Florida. Um, I think you know, you just you got to get on board. You got to adapt. That's why Mark Stoops always says, like, you know, I, I don't think any of us like this change, but we're sure as hell going to adapt to it and try our best with the NIL, try our best with the transfer portal, and that's why Kentucky's been able to stay competitive and not really, you know, last year, you know, seven wins is not what they wanted, but for old Kentucky, that's a great season. So, you know, they're still relevant, and that's what it's going to take now. That's what it's going to take, and uh, that's why I think Clemson, like if you're Clemson and you're watching Colorado, if you're a Clemson fan, you're pissed off. Because that easily could be you with the brand they've built, the NIL situation they have down there. Like they could be, they could be the Clemson we saw in the late 2010s. You know, they should be that still. And he's, he's, refusing, to, he's, refusing, he's refusing to, to adapt. Yep. That's it. Yeah. That is it. They're just, just sitting by doing nothing and it's kind of passing them by right now. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the biggest losers of the weekend were uh, Clemson and uh, really the SEC in big games. <laughs> yeah, South Carolina, same thing, you know. Oh, I want to give hey, credit man. to Nick Roush, my guy over at KSR. He wrote a piece over the summer that South Carolina has two, like a lot of similarities to Kentucky last year where they hire a former NFL offense coordinator who didn't do well in the NFL. They have an offensive line that they're relying on either low level transfers or, or no experience. You know, they have a quarterback with NFL potential, but the talent around them is suspect. They have some good receivers even, but the offensive line is so bad that that's kind of exactly, it reminded me of Kentucky going up uh, against, uh, I'm trying to think of a game that, what was uh it was like it looked like a little bit not quite to the extent because of the scoreboard but it kind of was felt like kentucky against tennessee at times it kind of felt like kentucky's offense at least against georgia where they just had no chance and that was embarrassing for i know north carolina's better up front that that team was the i think they finished dead last in sacks last year in, in the acc and tore the bottom of power five. Like they were an abysmal defensive front an abysmal defense And South Carolina gets sacked nine times and runs for 17 yards, yeah. 17 gained yards. That's not the net yardage. Like that was brutal, man. Like LSU, I can give a little bit of a pass to, because I think Florida State's really damn good. Uh, not a total pass because the second half's an embarrassment, but I can, I can say, okay, look, Florida State might just be that team this year. They might be really good, but South Carolina, there's no excuses for that, man. Like, North Carolina is not that much better than you. It should not have been that ugly. Hey, man, right. They, no, go ahead, Ben. They, they got a bit ahead of their schedule with, you know, they, they won the eight games and and all this. But was it his first year or second year, he had a bunch, had a bunch of, you know, you barely beat Vanderbilt. You had a couple narrow wins that could have went either way. They went his way, and so you have a good season, but – I think it made everybody think that they were further along as a program than they really are. And they're they're not as ahead of schedule 
is everybody wants to say they are, or Beamer wants you to think they are, and they no. kind of they kind of falling back down to earth, and you know, getting some bumps and bruises, and and reality kind of setting in on. Them. No doubt, you know it, it, it. It's a good sign for Kentucky, though, uh, obviously, but. <laughs> I, with that tough schedule playing Georgia and Bama, it's good to see at least one of your opponents that you are supposed to be developing a, a, yeah. a strong rivalry with, uh, not looking too hot. But yeah. you know, a lot, a lot can happen. But yeah, you know, I was gonna say, man, as I think I, the the two teams that had you know kind of struck everybody, obviously Colorado and Duke. Um, but if I had to really say that maybe a tie for second outside of Colorado. It's Florida State. Oh. Florida State. Florida State dominated LSU. I watched yeah. it. I watched it in the second half. I mean, they were obviously the best team on the field. They had they have very very potential high level first round second round draft picks everywhere on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, receiver, quarterback. I mean, just every running backs. They. I mean, the third or was the third or fourth running back came in the game towards the end. <laughs> this, and, yeah. And was and was balling. I think he was the third guy, and was yeah. absolutely balling. I mean, and I thought LSU. I had LSU win. Yeah, I, I did too. I did too. But Florida State schematically, you know, I'm a nerd yeah. with this now. Schematically, I thought they did an excellent job at keeping LSU off balance. Uh, quarterback made some throws down the stretch. I mean, I, hey man, uh, you know, it potentially could be a situation with Florida as well, and uh, you know that. I see that happen. And uh, I forgot what I said, but yeah, they. I had a thought. I just lost it. Yeah. Uh, LSU. Hey, hey, look, but, go ahead. Yeah, Johnny Wilson, that dude. Yeah. <laughs> and then another uh, to not to pick on South Carolina too much, but Jaheim Bell, the tight end that you know all South Carolina fans, and they were right, were screaming at Marcus Satterfield, the offense coordinator last year, like, "How are you not involving this guy? How are you not involving this guy?" He's, I mean, he's literally like got Kyle Pitts traits, and he goes to Florida State first game, and he he absolutely balls out. I think he scored three times, like absolute monster like and jordan travis is a really good quarterback now we saw it last year uh the injury kind of set him back but i remember i watched most of the game they played i think it was at louisville and i think travis started his career at louisville and i knew that was kind of a big deal he balled out against them and man yeah they're a good team man they're they're i think they're definitely the top team in the acc and if they run the table you know they're gonna end up in the playoffs yeah and they neutralized Perkins, who was a monster yeah, last year. Yeah, sure did. Now, you know, Brian Kelly talked about, you know, he's, he's playing linebacker now and got to get his eyes right and this kind of stuff too. But they, you know, it was, it was, nobody thought he'd be that quiet. Did nothing. You know, and just wasn't a factor. They took him yeah. out of the ball. And, game, so. and the biggest worry with LSU going into this season was they have a really young defensive backfield. And uh, <laughs> going up against Florida State is like the worst thing you could do <laughs> with a young backfield with some of the dudes they have out wide at tight end, the quarterback, yeah. the running backs, like Jalen mentioned. Like, that's wide a good – that's a – yeah. Mike Norvell, yeah. like, we talked about guys who are in – I guess he's in his third or fourth year now. But we're talking about guys, like, if they don't get it right right away – uh, that's a guy you got to give credit for Florida State to being a little patient with. I think he might be in his fourth year now. Uh, obviously, they had a really good year last year, not a great year. They've done, they've made strides in recruiting each year. Norvell's been there. 
and now you're three or four, whatever it is now, you know, they're, they're in the, they're in the national title conversation. Like that is a really good job by Florida state's administration, letting it play out and uh, rewarding that guy because he has been, he's done a great job, really underrated job there. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we covered everything. You know, Aaron, I'll see you Sunday night with the Cowboys coming to MetLife. We'll see what happens with that. We'll see. That should be a good one. I don't know which way it'll go. I'm not, (laughs) going to predict it i don't predict giants games i just hope for the best i understand i understand but man we'll come back next episode talk about eku get the last uh non-conference game out of way after that if we look back at eku look ahead to akron and then we'll have sec games to talk about uh anything else that catches our eye let you know how to find us how to listen to us we might be on some other ways where you can access us. We can let y'all know what might be coming down the pipe as far as that goes. But appreciate everybody that watches here now and follows us and listens. and Keep doing it. We appreciate it. For Jalen Whitlow and Aaron Gershaw, my name is Vinny Hardy. We'll be back next week for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Everybody take care. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.